You know, we, uh, we always think about, we always talk about what is great to us, don't we? I, I mean, always. We always talk about what is great. We always and we often. Matter of fact, do a little experiment this week. Listen to people and listen to what they talk about and you will hear what is great to them. You, you li- listen for what they talk to with, with passion with a sense of excitement. They have knowledge. They're not just rambling. Man, they got details. They got knowledge. They can speak with the energy and with the passion. L- listen for what they keep bringing up. M- maybe they come back to you an hour later and say, I did tell you, right? Or maybe you hear them sharing it with somebody else. I mean, it's, it's very repetitive. Listen to what they go on and on and on about. I mean, they give you so much more answer than your question required. Have you ever heard that? I mean, you just, you know, they just go on and on. What they think is great, they talk about. What you think is great. Maybe we should not listen to others, although you should. I think you'll find it to be an interesting experiment. Listen to yourself. What's coming out of you with energy, with passion, with knowledge? What, what do you kind of manipulate and make sure the conversation ends up going there? What do you end up talking about and go on and on and on about? You know, it's interesting. Whole nother sermon. Whole nother sermon. But we might get some insight into actually where we struggle with idolatry. I would doubt any of us considers ourselves guilty of idolatry. Isn't that like when you carve out an idol and you bow down and worship? We don't do that. Folks, we all struggle with idolatry. And you listen to what you worship, listen to what you think is great, and you'll hear that come out. That's another sermon. That's like I said, another, another time. Now, I know what I go on and on about. you've, You've heard me talk about it. You've seen it on Facebook. If you've made the mistake of asking me, man, I go on and on and on about my boys running. I know it's it's bad. I am definitely one who can give you much more answer than your question required. I mean, really, you asked something, I could answer it in three sentences and 15 minutes later. I mean, you know, the sad thing is, I actually see, I can see it on your face. I can see you pleading, please let it end. Let it end. And, and, And I know I should, but I can't. Just a little bit more, you need to know about how great they are. I mean, you know, there's a schedule and there's rankings and there's just a whole historical context so you can realize how great it is that you know how great they are. Man, yeah, I I do that. Now, is that idolatry? Their sisters say it is. Their sisters have convicted me more than once of idolatry. You know what? I I believe we all have a subject like that. I believe every one of us has a subject. It might be your kids or some activity they're involved in. It might be your, your team, right? A lot of us yesterday, we, you know, life came back. Our, our football is made. You realize the largest worship centers in America opened yesterday. They're all, they're all back open for business. The largest worship centers in America yesterday. They give, they dress up, they give all of themselves because that's worship, man. It's only it might be a team, might be a hobby. Man, a lot of us, hey, what do you do this? Well, I'm going to tell you what I did. Man, I've got information, i got energy, i got knowledge. Maybe it's your own high school football career that's 20 years old. Maybe it's your sweetheart. Maybe it's your mirror. You got to stop and think about that one, don't you? Some of us talk about our mirror a good bit, don't we? Yeah. Man, we all, we all got something like that. Now, you know what? Here, I, no problem with any of those things. But here's my question today. Is God as great as that which you go on and on about? 
I'm going to ask that question again. Is God as great as that which we go on and on about? Now, I'm assuming in a room like this, among this group, we're instantly and immediately going to answer that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. God's greatest thing in my life. God's greater in all those things. I know that. And I'm not challenging your belief on that. I'm not challenging your statement on that. But I would challenge you. I would challenge myself. If I say God is as great or yea, even greater, then why does he not show up in my conversation with the same energy and passion and knowledge? Why am I not literally manipulating conversation? So that's what we end up talking about. It's a thought. Because what genuinely is great to us We talk about, always and often. Would you turn with me this morning to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. We don't get by Chronicles a lot. That's too bad. It is a tremendous book of the Bible. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we got some in the chairs in front of you. Hope you can reach it or have somebody hand it to you. And uh, man, just let your Bible fall open. You'll probably be in the Psalms. If you can find the Psalms, just keep going to your left. You'll go through a big book of Job, some smaller books. Then you'll come to 2 Chronicles. And guess what's right next door to 2 Chronicles? Now come on, y'all. Y'all have had coffee. You've had breakfast. You woke up, okay? Let's try this again now. Next door to 2 Chronicles is? Yeah, praise the Lord. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, we're looking at verses 7 to 9. Now, if you just glance down there at the page, you're going to notice in verse 8 that it starts to look like, it starts to read like a psalm, doesn't it? Kind of has that same look as if we were still back in the psalms. And that's because verses 8 to 36 are in reality a psalm. Maybe you didn't know that there was psalms in other places than the psalms. And and these these verses, 8 to 36, actually come right out of it. They're identical to portions of Psalm 96, Psalm 105, and Psalm 106. So David has pulled some of that out and, and put this right here. And it's a psalm of thanksgiving on the occasion of the Ark of the Covenant. After many, many years, the Ark of the Covenant is arriving in Jerusalem and it's being brought into the tabernacle. Tabernacle is a real fancy word for tent. They, they hadn't built the temple yet. The, the tabernacle, the place where they, they went to see God was at the tabernacle or the tent. And the Ark of the Covenant is coming. And let's just look at these three verses. Verse 7. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph, Asaph and his brothers. Verse 8, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous, tell of all his amazing, tell of all his great works. Glory in the holy name. Now, if you look there at verse 7, you see David. He calls Asaph. Asaph is, is like the, the worship director. He's the, the worship pastor. It was James up here today. Or it's Dale, Sunday in and Sunday out. And David says, now Dale, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get this group of people right here. And, and I want you to have them sing on the greatness of God. And as they sing on the greatness of God, it should invite, it should envelop the rest of us to join them in singing 
singing about the greatness of God. And as we do that for five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, we're singing on his greatness, his wonder, and his awe. That singing should move us to telling. Do you see it there? As we sing in here, it should move us to telling out there. Folks, praise should lead to witnessing. Praise should lead to missions. Here's a tough thought. Praise that ends in here is praise that was empty. Praise that ends in here is praise that was empty. Yes, in here, praise Him, praise Him. Out there, tell of His excellent greatness. Now, what is that greatness that we're to tell about? I didn't read it. If you look there at verse 12, it says, remember, and it uses that word wondrous. Remember the, the, the works of awe, the works of greatness. Remember, survey, catalog, go over again and again how God has been great in your midst. That verse actually is a reference back to Psalm 105. And Psalm 105 is a long psalm that kind of catalogs and surveys God's faithfulness in Old Testament history. You know, I was thinking about that. I don't, I don't know that we do a very good job of that. And, to be honest with you, folks, when I say we, I think in that case, that means me. I don't know that I always do a very good job in leading us in surveying and cataloging and remember the greatness of God in Colonial Heights Baptist. What, what this psalm is saying is there should be continual conversation. All that, Man, you remember when God did that? You remember when He answered that prayer? You remember that healing? You remember the land? You remember the building? You remember that Easter? Man, you remember that Christmas? And we're going on and on talking about the goodness and the greatness of God inside of Colonial Heights Baptist. We're to survey that faithfulness and to think on that. How about on a personal level? Do, do you do that individually? Do you survey, catalog, remember, think about how God's greatness has worked in your life over and over and over and over? Just think about, think about it this way. How many times did you hear the gospel before you responded? I, my guess is none of us can answer that question. I can't. I mean, how, how do you start counting? Gosh, there's... There was vacation Bible school and there was, there was the youth camps and gosh, how many sermons did I sit in and I, I heard the gospel but I, I didn't respond or maybe it was an individual that came to me. Maybe a parent, maybe a friend, maybe a number of individuals over the years. How many times were you told about, how many times were you in the sound of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you didn't respond? Well, let's say for just for argument, for me it was a hundred that means there was 99 times that God extended His love, extended His forgiveness, extended His kindness, and I said, eh, I, I didn't feel a need for it, didn't get it, wasn't interested, didn't want to change. I don't remember all the reasons, but there was 99 times that I walked away, which means there was 100 times that God came back to me again. Remember His wondrous works? How wondrous is the patience of God. How wondrous is the kindness of God that He would extend a gift over and over and over and over that 99 times before I'd said no to. Or maybe we think upon about God's faithfulness and wonder in, in this way. You know, we ask the question a lot. Why do bad things happen to good people? You ever ask, heard that question? You know what question you don't ever hear? Why do good things happen to bad people? 
And I got bad news for you. We need to broaden our definition of bad people. I doubt any of us considers ourselves a bad people. But you know what the Bible teaches? Man, after we've studied Romans for all these months, what does the Bible teach about us before Christ comes into our life? It says, I'm a sinner. That means I live my life in disobedience. I live my life in opposition, not to a set of rules. I live my life in opposition to the very character of God. I live my life in disobedience, not to a rule he came up with. I live my life in disobedience to who he is. I'm a bad person. Romans 5.10 says I'm an enemy of God. I live in conflict with Him. I live in opposition to Him outside of Christ. Now on May 12th, 1982, that changed. I became a friend of God. I began to try to live my life in concert with Him instead of opposition. But that means that from 1965 to 1982, I was a bad person. It's irrelevant how I compared to others. It's irrelevant how I looked or what others would have said. From 1965 to 1982, I lived as a bad person. And folks, I've got to be honest with you. In those 17 years, I experienced a lot of good things. I had good friends. I had good parents. I had good vacations. I had good days. I had good food. I enjoyed good moments. I experienced a lot of good things. Where did those good things come from? James chapter 1 teaches that every good thing, if you have a good thought, if you have a good feeling that lasts 30 seconds, it came from the hand of God. Now, do I think that for those 17 years that I was a bad person? Well, sure enough, God owes me that. Why wouldn't I have those good things? Why wouldn't I? And I deserve, Really? Is that what we believe? We deserve it? We believe we're owed it? Oh, how wondrous. How wondrous is the grace and the kindness of God that would give such wonderful things to me when I'm literally living in opposition to Him. When I'm literally living in rebellion to Him. Or how about that actual moment of salvation? Man, do we remember His wondrous work to reach down into my sin, to reach down into my death, to reach down into my hell and literally resurrect me out of that? Oh, the wonder... The wonder of His power. The wonder of His love that would reach down and touch me and do that in my life. Oh folks, God's great, isn't He? And we should be able to very currently, to very detailed, go on and on and on and on about how great God is. Great in my life. Great in my home. Great in my church. Great in my world. God is great. Man, and let's let that thought be personal to us. Do y'all ever get trapped sometimes when you think about the greatness of God? Oh yeah, the greatness of God inside the Bible. The the greatness of God in in creation. The greatness of God for, for Jews. Man, we leave our greatness of God out there as some kind of belief system. Is it great? Is that greatness personal to you? Can you, can you live it? Can you share it? Can I say it again? Is it current? Is it detailed? You know, folks, if you come up, if you make the mistake of asking me about my boys running, you will not get a vague answer. You won't get an answer about something. Well, you know, yeah, they did pretty good last year, you know. Colin finished fifth in the nation. I, I'm sorry, I'm going off. You won't get a vague answer it won't be kind of, sort of. It won't be. I'm going to tell you something. You come up and ask me about their running, it's going to be very current. 
I'm going to have fresh information, fresh experience. It's going to be with passion and it's going to be detailed. To the point you think, why did I ask this? Where's the unfriend button on Facebook? (laughs) This is ridiculous. How come I can be that way about high school cross country? Where does God fit into that? And you take out the word high school cross country and you plug in yours. Because I promise you, you have subjects that you can go on and on about. I promise you, you have subjects that you can speak with great currency and great detail. Why not God? Why not the very same way about Him? Now let's look back at that passage, 1 Chronicles 16, 7. David says, Asaph, I want you to, to lead us in worship. Lead us in giving thanks. Because the Ark of the Covenant... It's coming in. The Ark of the Covenant is being placed in the tabernacle. Now, folks, David is not inspiring. David is not commissioning this praise and this thanksgiving because they're placing a piece of furniture in a tent. No, that piece of furniture is pretty significant, right? The Ark of the Covenant represents the, the power of God. The Ark of the Covenant represents the, the presence of God. And David is overwhelmed with praise. It, it just blows David's mind that, man, the high and the holy and the lofty God, man, He'd come and live right in our presence. God's going to live right here in our neighborhood. How awesome is that? And I'm thinking, really? That led David to praise God because God would live in the neighborhood? Folks, you realize God doesn't live among us anymore. You know that, right? Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, God now lives in us. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, Don't you know? Man, you're God's temple. God's Spirit lives right inside you. Your heart is the Ark of the Covenant. We don't need Indiana Jones to find it. It's an irrelevant piece of furniture. It's outdated. It's outmoded. God lives here now. Now, folks, if David is overwhelmed with worship and praise because God would live in the neighborhood, then what should you and I be that God would live in us? That he would actually live inside of us, never to leave, never to forsake. We should be able to go on and on, shouldn't we? And like it says here, and we should sing, and we should sing, and we should sing of the greatness of our God. And that singing every single time should lead to telling. And the telling has a focused content, the greatness of God. And the telling has a focused destination, the peoples. You see that word peoples? Man, in the English, this is kind of where, this is where some language study really helps because in the, in the English, we'll run right by that. This verse is not about you and me telling each other how great God is. Did you know there's a lot of verses that do that? There are verses that encourage, that command you and I, because it helps us in our faith. When one of us is down, somebody else can come pick up. So we share with each other, man, God does answer prayer. God is great. Let me tell you about what he's doing in my life. We're to share that with each other. That is not at all what this passage is about. Because that word peoples in the Hebrew language could maybe better be a little bit interpreted by people groups. It could even be interpreted with the word nations. In other words, this is not about believers telling believers how great God is. This is about believers going out and telling people who don't know how great God is, how great God is. It is about going out and telling people who don't believe that God is great over and over and over. Yes, He is. We sing to inspire and motivate to go and to tell. You say, now wait a minute, time out. 
Time out, Pastor. Now, I just want to do good Bible study here. I'm, I'm looking here at verse 7, and it says, David appointed, David commissioned Asaph. I'm not Asaph. Da- David hasn't commissioned me to do this. You're right. You got me there. King David did not commission you to do this. But there was a king who did. We call him the Alpha and the Omega. We call him the beginning and the end. We call him the bright and morning star. We call him the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. We call him King Jesus. And he absolutely commissioned you to carry this message. You know the verses, church. Matthew 28. What does it say there? Jesus came and said to them, all authority. Think about that. All the greatness of authority. All the greatness of power. I own it. I possess it. And with that knowledge, you are to go into all the world. There's the same exact focused destination that David just gave. You are to go to the nations and make them disciples. What's a disciple? A learner. You're to be a teacher. You are to go out there and teach them what? How great I am. How great the gospel can be for them. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you will be my witnesses when what? When your heart becomes the ark of the covenant. When your heart becomes that place that the Holy Spirit moves into and dwells. In that moment, you are to go to where? The ends of the earth. Same message that David gave. The singing leads to telling and the telling starts here and it goes all the way to the end of the earth. A witness that, let me tell you how God great is. He will live in you. He lives in me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing the awesomeness of God, knowing the greatness of God, we persuade others. We are, look at that folks, we got a title. You think you're not commissioned? Man, you got bars on your shoulder and things up on here on your chest, and you got a title, a royal official title. You are an ambassador. Folks, you think you haven't been commissioned? We have been commissioned. We have been commissioned to carry the greatness of God, the greatness of the gospel to a lost and dying world. We have been commissioned, each one of us personally, to carry this message. Listen, folks, today's message. It's not about you not thinking there's things that are great in your life. Whether it's your ball team or your kids or your sweetheart or your... Well, it shouldn't be your mirror, but you know, anything else. It's not about that. This message is not saying you shouldn't talk about those things. Talk about them. I'm going to keep talking about my sons. This message is about if you say God is great, then why isn't He showing up in our conversation with as much passion, with as much energy, with as much knowledge, and with as much frequency as a football team is. That doesn't work. Do you realize the one thing you've been left on this planet to do is to carry out this commission? Well, that's ridiculous. The Bible teaches us all kinds of things. It gives command. No. You've been left on this planet to do one thing. To be His witness. Well, wait, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I mean, giving him glory and giving him worship. Sure, you're going to worship him. Sure, you're going to give him glory. You're going to do that for all eternity. You weren't left here to worship. You can go to heaven and do that. You were left here to be his witness. And yes, God gives us all kinds of instruction about marriage and parenting and, and, and living in the world and business and finances. Do you know why? So that in every one of those areas, I can effectively live for him. Because if I'm 
making a mess out of things, it's hard to be a witness, isn't it? You've been left on this planet. If you wake up tomorrow morning, you are waking up for one reason. God has left you here to be a witness to his greatness. I don't know about you. I I know what my attitude is about my boys running. I want to learn as much as I can. I want to be refreshed in what I learn. I want as many opportunities to share it. Shouldn't we be the same about God? You know, I believe the church in general and your church here at Colonial Heights Baptist, part of what we're here for is to help us all individually do this. It's to teach us, it's to help us, it's to to motivate us. Here at our church, one of the ways we do that is through a class that we call faith. We've been offering this class, I don't even know how long, 15 plus years. And it's a classroom. You go into a classroom and you, you, first thing you do is you survey God's greatness in saving you. And you learn how to put that story together so you can share it with somebody else. Then you survey the scriptures and, and put together a gospel presentation so that you can communicate effectively and well others the gospel of Jesus Christ, His greatness in saving people. It moves from the classroom. We're going to actually put you in a real live setting where you can watch somebody else. That's always good news, isn't it? I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to stand here and watch. But you're going to get to watch in a real situation somebody else do that. And that will ultimately lead to us letting you be the one who shares that with somebody else while somebody's there watching to catch you if you stumble and fall. This is the class is to help you do what God has called you to do if you wake up tomorrow morning. What's your answer to that? Yes or no? God, I will be on this planet what you've called me to be or I will not be. If you go by statistics... And they, this, is a, this is a study among Southern Baptists. And I mean, as a whole, folks, Southern Baptists tend to be a little bit more evangelistic and proselytizing than some of the others. And statistics say that four out of every Southern Baptist will ever share their faith once. Ninety-six out of a hundred Southern Baptists will never tell somebody else about the greatness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ninety-six out of a hundred are forsaking the one reason God's left them here to be alive. And then we wonder, gosh, wonder why the Christian life's not coming together. It's not just this thing like it works for me. Been left here for one reason as a believer, to be a witness. Is your praise in here fall empty? Or does your praise in here come to life out there? I want to challenge you today. Today, not, not tomorrow, not go home and think about it. I want to challenge you today to sign up for the faith class. Go out here, go out these doors, go to your right in a desk down here. They're signing up for it. Would you sign up? If you've never told somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you sign up? Would you say, you know what, God, I want to step into obedience to the one thing you've left me on this earth to do. Matter of fact, I want to extend that out a little bit. If you haven't told somebody the gospel in six months... Would you sign up? See, if it's been six months, you might sign up. You may have already taken an evangelism class at some point in your life. You may have shared back there. That may have been a part of something that you did. But if it's been six months, really, has it been six months that you told somebody about the Hokies? Has it been six months since you... I mean, what a, what a shallow standard I have. That if it's been six months, if it's been six months, would you sign up? 
Would you go to class just one Wednesday night? One Wednesday. Now, the class is longer than that. I'm asking, would you go to the first class? It's not this Wednesday. It's the following Wednesday. Would you go that Wednesday? Just walk in there and hear what it's about. Get a kind of a preview of the class. Look at the materials. Look at what's going to be going on. And there's just one simple thing. God, have you called me to be obedient to you or not? (laughs) Did you hear that question? God, have you called me to be obedient to you or not? When you walk out of the class, you're going to choose to obey or disobey. When you walk out of this room, you're going to choose to obey or disobey. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to present you the truth of the reality. Did you hear those verses? Over and over and over. Your king. You do not live in a democracy. You live in a theocracy. You have a king. And your king has left you with one great assignment. Come in here and sing with all your heart. But let that singing send you out there to tell. Let's pray. Father, I pray that whatever else Colonial Heights Baptist might be known for, I pray we're known as a people that believe that the Lord God is great. And we will sing with all of our heart. And we will leave here and we will go out and tell with every opportunity that we're given. God, would you raise up in our church an army of witnesses. An army of people who will carry your your greatness into the world, who will be that ambassador that you've called us to be. An army of people that are overwhelmed that you've made their heart the Ark of the Covenant. An army of people overwhelmed that you would love them and forgive them and actually live inside them. God, could we go out to that some six billion people who do not believe, who do not know of your greatness. God, may we go to the ends of the earth as you've commanded us to do. Lord, as I am about to conclude this prayer, there's a lot of people in here. Some who've never shared the gospel. Some who have. Many who've probably never taken an evangelism class. Probably some who have. God, I don't actually want them responding to my voice. I want them responding to your voice, to your call. God, if they're to be in that class, would you tell them right now? Place the verses in front of them. Let them know why they're the exception to that or why you were speaking to them right there. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.